0: Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss definitive
1: proof on if the Marvel one-shots are canon. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a Marvel podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. My name is Tyler Borland and with me always is Danny Vincent.
0: That's right, I'm Danny Vincent, and let me tell you, you might be wondering, wait a second, I thought you were covering What If? Where was my episode last week? I wanted you guys to cover What If? And to that I say, I don't care. We're not doing that this week. We'll talk about What If next week. We will catch up then. This week we discuss, oh wait, you already read that. What are we discussing this week?
1: For Shang, Shang-Chi. We saw Shang-Chi in The Legend of the yeah. Ten Rings. In movie
0: theaters. Yeah. You didn't rent it on Disney Plus Premiere Access because you can't. And that's a good <laughs> thing. And <laughs> that's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> but also we would have seen it in the theater anyway. But that means we got to do our rapid fire trailer talks. So, The Kingsmen... I got this trailer again. My opinion on it's the same. What about you, Tyler? Will you see it? Probably
1: not. I've not seen Jack the like, Kingsman movies. Oh, oh okay. Oh.
0: Jackass Forever. I haven't seen any of these. I might watch this one because why not?
1: I've not seen any of them. I won't watch this.
0: West Side Story, the remake. No. I don't know why it's being remade. It's a classic already.
1: No, I will, I will not. will not see this.
0: No time like to musicals.
1: die. Uh, no time to die. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely see this one. Yes. Even though
0: I didn't see the last one. So, <laughs> Venom, let there be carnage. Do you think we will watch this Marvel movie? It is
1: very well likely that we will possibly most definitely see this film.
0: <laughs> Dune!
1: Yes, I will definitely see this one.
0: Yeah, we, we're big fans of Oscar Isaac here. At least I am. <laughs> yeah, so I was, one of us is. I was like, I, of
1: it's, it's sci-fi. It's sci-fi. It's a book adaptation. I want to go be either majorly disappointed or majorly impressed. And that's usually what book adaptations do. So.
0: The Ghost in the Shell IMAX re-release of the 90s classic anime i don't know why i got this trailer <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I have no idea what what this is i, I won't see it i know Dude, ghost in the not. shell i know ghost in the shell is an anime but yeah i i, yeah, I, I won't I, see I feel it.
0: like your answer could have been well i don't have an imax by me so <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> eternals will we see eternals
1: um, for the sake of getting to bless my eyes with Richard Madden. Yes. Nice.
0: And now, this, so how many of those trailers did you get, by the way? Those are the ones I got.
1: Um, funny little story. Tyler got to the movie theater three minutes late, so, uh, he did not see any of these. Um, well, it was, okay, three minutes, I say three minutes late, but it was really 23 minutes late. Because I walked into the theater as um, the first scene like I saw the uh, the 10 rings. I saw Tony Leung like uh, standing in front of an army with the 10 rings and we get that shot from the ground of him like shooting the 10 rings. It's in all the trailers like. okay,
0: good. I was going to say, I hope you're not spoiling the so movie i'm not spoiling anything spoilers. it's in all the trailers it's in all the okay. trailers um okay if it's in the trailers it's okay <laughs>
1: yeah marvel releases half the movie <laughs> on youtube anyways so
0: well, i was yeah i was gonna say if you check in the marvel like social media now they've spoiled some of the surprise characters that pop up in this movie heck the second trailer had wonk and abomination in it. so like right yeah um but we should probably do our spoiler alert. probably from this point on we will discuss
1: Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and possible spoilers for future productions. We do not claim to have knowledge of said future spoilers, but will gladly take full credit if such come true.
0: We will not address leaks. but if our speculations align. It's purely coincidence. Purely coincidence. Now, was, okay. Purely coincidence. Now, yeah, purely co- I don't know. I, was gonna, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I, now, I now we're going to discuss... Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Tyler, what do you think of this movie? Was it good or was it bad?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, to say that it's good is an understatement. It doesn't do the movie justice. Um, this is hands down my favorite hero origin story of the entire MCU. Yes, that's saying that even with Iron Man being in the in the mix... You say um, that,
0: but I like Captain America 1 more than Iron Man. But go on. Go on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> no.
0: Wait, wait. Actually, okay, wait. Wait, wait. Before we go on, actually. Yeah. You're saying hero origin, right? So Guardians doesn't count.
1: Guardians Correct, does not count. It? Avengers does not count. Okay. so, so I But I would, I and would count. And Eternals won't count either. Eternals, Eternals, Eternals won't count. Won't count. I, would count yeah. I would count Black Widows, and it's like a retro origin i think
0: black widow works as an origin story for yelena you know yeah
1: I mean? like I yeah think,
0: yeah you could qualify that as an origin story yeah but go i i also tipping my hand a little bit before we get to my general thoughts that i think we both are easy agreement this is way better than black widow so Doesn't, oh yeah like yeah that's not really a qualifier We this, need to get into. The, yeah <laughs>
1: this this restored uh i was like this is what this is what the studio's capable of bringing us give us more like this Um, Yeah, Phase 4 has officially kicked off with a fantastic uh, thrill ride full of action. An action that is, that finally engages the audience and looks freaking great. Something that the Disney Plus side of Phase 4 has been sorely missing. Looking at you, uh, I about said fantastic Winter Soldier. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, (laughs) which is a show purely built around action and the Loki show was lacking in.
0: I was going to say action. The only, yeah, the only impressive action I'd say Disney Plus has had was the Vision versus Vision fight in one division. Yes, Mises. that was yeah. the only time I was really impressed. Uh, I'd also say with my general thoughts that it's phenomenal action. I would argue. i do not even talking about Disney Plus. I think this easily has the best action in any of the movies, um, mm. and that includes Winter Soldier. Because the difference between the Winter Soldier fights and this fight. Is that you can see everything that happens in these fights. The camera stays on the actors. It cuts with the punches for the most part. Until the third act. Which we'll get into. Uh, But two Seth pieces in this are by far to me. The best action I've ever seen in any MCU movie. Honestly. Best action in any superhero movie. Really. Those two sequences. Which we'll talk about later. Um, I also think there's really smart storytelling here. Uh particularly with um, how it structures flashbacks. Um, I think it's a well-structured well movie. I do have some issues with the movie, though. This is why I was going to be like, you know, I think it's good. Uh, I don't think that's an understatement. to me. I think I would say it's good, not great to me. It's a solid... I would give it a B. You know, if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it a B. Mm. I don't want to say 3.5 out of f- uh, 5 because that makes it sound like 7 out of 10, which sounds like a C. It's a B. Uh, so... um. My main issue with it is I think Shang-Chi as a character lacks a strong personality, with the exce- with one big exception that I'll get into later. Um, this movie does have a top-tier Marvel villain, though, uh, with Tony Leung's performance clearly elevating what is, like, written. Like, Yeah. I think the greatness of the villain in this is about 75% Tony Leung. And the rest of it's the writing and the direction. Mm. Uh, and overall, yeah, the movie's good. So...
1: Yeah, all I right. Like
0: I don't wanna, I don't want to sound too negative on it. I like it is a good movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I would say going on a on a number, number scale, I gave Black Widow a 3. Um I would give this a
0: 4.5. I yeah.
1: I'm I'm bouncing between 4 and 4.5.
0: I initially gave – well, if I was to give it like cheat, I'd give it a 3.75. You know what I mean? Mm. It. I don't want to say it's just a half star better than Black Widow because I do think it's significantly better than Black Widow. But I also – I think I've alluded to this before. I think Marvel movies for the most part have a um, peak they can reach if they're good to me. Like I, I mean that sounds very negative. But with the exception of like three of these movies that I've given – three or four of these movies that I've given 4.5 out of 5, most of them fall in – if I like them, they're four stars. If I'm okay with them, they're three stars. And so a 3.5 is actually pretty rare for me. I think yeah. Doctor Strange falls under that too. I don't know. I'd have to pull up the list. I'd say it's top. Uh, if I remember, I made a Marvel tire. I made my, I updated my list after I saw it and it did make top 10. So. Gotcha. It's good. Yeah. And, you yeah. twenty five movies Top 10 is a good company.
1: Yeah. It's definitely top, in my top 10 of MCU movies. I, I realized the other day, um, on the Twitter sphere, Twitter sphere that people are, you know, like updating their their rankings, especially on Letterbox of the MCU films and uh, properties. And uh, so far, I've seen this has got great. It's been received uh, really well, um, and it's made top ten on a ton of people's lists. Um, well now, and, now you're
0: saying this, I have to check my list. Yeah, I'm I, I'm, three I need to lists. make I
1: definitely need to make need to uh make a top ten list. Um yeah. So that yeah, I put this up quality of Guardians one, cap two, Ragnarok, like yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it looks it's like it's up there pretty high.
0: To number nine for me. So at number 9 for me. Um,
1: What's number 10? For
0: Marvel... Well, actually, WandaVision is listed as number 10. Gotcha. Uh, so, then after that, I think it's uh, Avengers 1. Uh, mm. Or Iron Man. I, I already closed the tab, sorry. Oh, I that's also fine. have a Marvel villain list, where this came in at number 4. Uh, which is showing you that I think Marvel's actually starting to get good villains. Uh, behind Killmonger, Loki, and Thanos. Uh, and then... For my post-credit scene list, I actually put Danny, it at number five. Danny, you gotta, you gotta give our Christoph
1: Waltz impersonator some love. Zemo, he,
0: Zemo's on this list. He is at. You just, you just didn't mention number ten. He <laughs> is at number say. ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is behind. Okay. Uh, he is behind. Besides the three listed, Ego, Vulture, Robert Redford, Agatha, and Mysterio which I know I don't like Spider-Man from home but I do like Jake Gyllenhaal. He is the best yeah. part of that movie.
1: Yeah. Uh so Mysterio's Mysterio's pretty good. Um hoping we see him again. Maybe but, yeah. totally unrelated to Shang-Chi, but hopefully if they're bringing multiverse characters over, hopefully we get the Bruce Campbell Mysterio that was alluded to in the Sam Raimi films. Well just say The reason
0: I say I'm not expecting that is because Bruce Campbell has heavily alluded to him being in Doctor Strange 2. Because oh. he and Sam Raimi are good friends and he yeah. pops up in pretty much every Sam Raimi movie. So that's why I'd be like, I'd be down for it, but I have a feeling it will not happen. Because Bruce Campbell showing up in another Marvel movie as a different character would be kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's been done before. That would be a great gag if you think about it uh if he showed up as a Mysterio that actually is a hero from a multiverse right that would be an amazing gag I feel like like I, I don't I wouldn't want to be a villain I wouldn't want to be like I'm a hero from my multiverse my universe he, that got he, spends, he spends
1: the whole he spends the whole time he spends the whole movie trying to convince uh Doctor Strange that he is actually a hero, and Doctor Strange is like, okay, <laughs> right? And he's like, no, I actually did these things, and he's like, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> and like, we heard this whole story before. Just stop it.
1: <laughs> anyway, you okay. should
0: probably start digging in.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the first first thing up, uh, this movie did an excellent, um, that it it did excellent excellently is representation and cultural inclusion and that was something that was super super important um that yeah that i recognize as something super important when marvel announced that they were doing um a film with a uh chinese american superhero and uh yeah and so and representation is done extremely well. Okay. I will say, like, and that's coming from someone who is 100 percent American. You know, like I can't can't say, oh, well, it completely represented uh the Chinese well, American culture it's, it's or important to the say Chinese that culture as much as we well, talk it's but, important
0: for us to say, no matter how we talk about this, and we are gonna talk about it more, yeah. is that we are white, so we cannot fully understand or speak from that view fully attest you know, to it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So but that's this a little disclaimer yeah, yeah um so so yeah
1: it's the and the cultural inclusion i wanted to go more into that is like they i am so glad that they fully went into um chinese mythology and when when the um y'all have heard the spoiler alert so here it comes when they get to Tal- Talo and they see like the dragon horse and you know the nine tail foxes and like the lion dogs like that it, that stuff is what what a lot of you know you see the statues outside yeah um, yeah yeah those are you um, know that are the Chinese- I actually
0: know Caleb our friend uh, host of co-host of snub club with me and other podcasts he i know he put out i think a video i want to say video hopefully that is uh because he's very into mythology explaining the different creatures as shang chi Mm. that are seen in talo um i should actually probably i should have probably watched that before we recorded because i saw it i was like oh that's cool and then i just added it to my you know to watch list i haven't gotten around to it yet um but yeah i wasn't really expecting that but to be clear also i think at least for me, I t- didn't really know. And I, this will be the same for Eternals. Uh, I didn't really know much about Shang-Chi as a character at all prior to this. You know, this movie yeah. was a full introduction to me of this uh, side of the Marvel universe. Um, so the fact that the mythology played so much into it, I was like, Ooh, this is interesting. I don't know if this actually is a part of his comics or if this is just something they did for the movie. Cause I know there's a lot of stuff in this that is made for the movie. For example, like, when when Wu and Katie are both pretty much fully made characters for this film. Uh Wen Wu is inspired by some uh stereotypes that we can get into when we talk about his influences. Uh but obviously I actually read, um this is getting ahead a bit, but when uh Destin Daniel Credin and uh the other writer of it, a Dave Callahan, I think is how you it. It's I think it's Callahan. It might be Callahan. That's why I'm like, Callahan? They're both Asian American writers, and they both were like, all right, Shang-Chi's father in the comics is such a horrible racial stereotype. So let's try to see if we could write a character that rebukes that and makes it so. The goal was always to get Tony Leung to sign on. Like, that is, mm. like, they, they've said that in interviews, Is like, Tony Leung would be the coolest and best actor for this role. He will never say yes, but let's try to write a character that's worthy of him, and then send it to. Him. And then he said yes, which we'll get. Well, I want to get into more of that well, when we talk about Simu. Yeah, I mean, of myself, so. well, I mean, we could just we could just
1: hit on it. Hit on a little bit of it right now is how this whole film came together. The fact that you know you, what you just said of how they got Tony Leung to join, you know, join the project, and then uh, Simu Liu tweeting about it saying hey when are we gonna talk and then kevin feige being like hey all right you know let's talk like
0: uh i think it's interesting uh, the third person i talk about here is that aquafina was actually the first actor cast in this and she was heavily involved with the audition practice for shang chi Mm. Uh, like she kept showing up apparently to chemistry reads with pretty much everyone they auditioned which i think is really cool too uh and I think also going behind the camera, Creden, who we've talked about in this podcast before, yes, yeah. and Daniel Creden, uh, actually, I, there's a story out there where he apparently said two weeks before he took the meeting with Marvel for this movie, he was like his agent, "Please don't ever let me do a Marvel movie. That will be when I know I'm going wrong in my career." And then he went and did one, uh, but well, he took the he took the meeting because he was like, "Shang Chi, that sounds interesting, and I feel like that is an opportunity." To bring an Asian-American hero to the big screen that mm-hmm. hasn't been done before. And then he also apparently talked to, uh, you know, the most successful indie director to go to Marvel, Ryan Coogler. And Ryan Coogler was like, no, you actually have a lot of control here. The parts where you don't have control are parts that you're going to want to have help on or something like that. And I, we're kind of jumping all over the place. I think Credon himself knows watching this movie how to surround himself with good collaborators. And that's what I said in our episode about him. Yeah. And that's what I think made him a really, I don't think this feel, well, never mind. I'm getting way ahead of myself. We'll talk about credit later. Uh, But yeah, no, I agree. I think everyone involved in this movie want to make a movie that's respectful, celebrating, and like would give these specifically Tony Leung, but also Michelle Yeoh, I'd say probably you know, reasons to want to sign on. You mm-hmm. know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely.
0: we cannot, I, I cannot understate this for people who aren't aware of this. Tony Leung is legitimately the Hong Kong actor. He is the, I maybe that's a bit too much. I was going to call him the Daniel Day-Lewis of Hong Kong. But he is an actor who is highly selective of his projects. He got a Hollywood agent in 2005. And this is his first Hollywood movie. It took him this long to say yes to a Hollywood movie. Which is pretty crazy that he chose yes this is the role that i'll finally show up in an english language role for yeah like that is a huge deal uh and that really speaks to the level of work behind the scenes and you can see it on camera to make a respectful character a respectful world and not only a respectful world but a celebrated one that is exciting to see i'd like to i I could i can't speak for them but judging off the reactions i've seen uh, Asian Americans are fully embracing it, and everyone is really enjoying the movie too. I think I read actually this has the highest audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes of any Marvel movie. Wow, There's a ninety nine percent. Really? I think it's oh, even wow. above like Spider Verse and The Dark Knight. I yeah. Think it's even like superhero. Yeah. So let's get it. This All is right. Everyone is loving. <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But sorry, we can go back to the next point. Sorry. Yeah. I, so I was, um, yeah.
1: well, well, you you talked about it. Um, when you were talking about the Wenwu character, um, the I I love what they did with the Mandarin expla- explanation is that they said they took they took my legacy and then they named it after a a food dish and orange an orange, j- in like an orange. 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 yes <laughs> and it's just I I love how much I love how much Wenwu. Just scorches what, what was done and, uh, just how like, how ridiculous it, it is. And like, he could have oh, said, like, it's, it's very offensive that you, you name this, uh, you know, he could have said that it was very offensive, but instead he flipped it and was like, do you know how ridiculous? you are for saying this, you know? And
0: what's great is to me, it's not like even an attack on Iron Man. It's a, it's an attack on the comic character itself. Yeah. Yeah. The legacy of that character. Yes. Always being like, why can't Iron Man fight the Mandarin? And it's like, well, because he's a racist stereotype. Uh, And I actually think this is interesting because this kind of goes back to that thing a few weeks back, not a few weeks back, now it's been a couple months, where, you know, he said, Kevin, he, Kevin Feige said, we did not want to have the ancient one be portrayed by an, asian actor because we thought it'd be could be misconstrued as racist but we realized now that we should have probably just figured out how to do it and we probably could have done it i felt like this was them doing like this yeah this is how you would do it you know what i mean like yes you address the stereotype and yeah you move on i do want to say though side note here because it's about the explosion there i think it's very funny that this movie explains the plot of iron man 3 to the audience twice yeah (laughs) like trevor gives the full explanation too and it's like okay all right and i i get why i actually read um one of the reasons they wanted trevor in the movie is because they wanted to acknowledge they wanted trevor as a character to acknowledge what he did was wrong and culturally inappropriate they wanted that to come from the character himself um but i also think it's funny because in practice it is also just we're explaining the plot of Iron Man three D twice, but yeah, yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's a good yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, the Mandarin, how it takes the Mandarin, and I see you wrote down code switching. I don't know actually code what it's about. Okay, so, so code I mean, switching. I know what code switching is. I don't know what it's about in regards to this movie. Okay,
1: so Sorry. um, it's one particular moment, um, and it just makes all all the difference. Um, it it's at the beginning of the film. When Shang Chi is at Katie's house, and Katie's grandmother um, is talking in Chinese, and the rest of the household is talking in English, and um, and uh, Shang Chi or Sean, uh, as he's cleverly called, um, that's, uh, a great, Sean, that's a good joke. It, a was, good it was it was a good joke. <laughs> uh, Shang Chi, Shang Chi. Um, he he's talking in English, and then the grandmother talks in Chinese, and he immediately um, he immediately turns to the grandmother and begin. Speg- he picks up that that language right away and starts talking with her in in Mandarin. Sorry, not Chinese, not Chinese, but it's speaking oh, you're good. You're good. in in Mandarin, and I just think that is so awesome. He switches immediately from English to. Uh, Mandarin, and then he switches from Mandarin to English when talking with others. And that is exactly the the that's exactly how the human brain works. When you know two languages, you can switch between them just like it's nothing. Um, And it's it's second nature. And then also that is exactly something that you would see in a household where two languages are are present and so yeah I, i think that is so cool that they did that and that they just didn't they didn't force the grandmother to speak english
0: oh you know well i think in general this movie is really great about letting things being spoken in mandarin when they would be spoken in mandarin and when they don't when they aren't like you know When they are speaking English, when everyone knows Mandarin in the room, there's usually a reason in the film itself. Mainly in that Katie says she's not good at uh, Mandarin, which makes me laugh in the third act a bit, where they forget that. Um, I want to point that out immediately. Then the third act, they forget that Katie can't speak Mandarin and have her instructor only speak to her in Mandarin, and she responds in English, like she under. We'll get to the third act. I I have thoughts on the third act. We'll get to it, but yeah, um. But besides that it, moment, besides those moments, it's very consistent about Katie can't speak Mandarin. So we're going to have those scenes be in English. But like, even when it's like, um, Shang and his, uh, shang and his sister, uh, jai Ling, who I hope I'm pronouncing. That's the one name here that I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce right. I apologize now if I do, uh, if I'm not. But when Shang-Chi speak- is talking to Jai-Ling in the ring, he, they speak Mandarin, I believe, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, the only actually There is one moment in the movie where I noticed they cheated And that's in the flashback When he he leaves her It's the one time they cheated And had him speak English when they should have been spoken Mandarin But the rest of the movie And I'm okay with one cheat time To be clear 30% of the dialogue of the movie is Mandarin, in Mandarin And that is insane to me And so cool Yeah it uh, is I, I can't think of any other blockbuster With any language that would do that Including like Spanish block you know like blockbusters with heavy Spanish moments um uh, but yeah i agree code switching is really cool
1: so uh yeah moving on um let's talk about the characters a little bit let's start with the title character shang chi uh what do what do you think of shang chi
0: um so simuli he's a very uh, he's a handsome guy he's very uh charismatic i think the character's writing is the issue here mm. or i'll, I'll just be but here's the thing i think shang chi has such great personality so likable if he's sharing the scene with aquafina aquafina katie brings out the best in him and i think it is aquafina i the reason it's aquafina is because i know aquafina is a comedian and Simu Lee whose back background is in sitcoms and in stunts so it makes sense that when he's allowed to be funny and when he's allowed to do the action, that's the best part of him in this movie. And they have a very natural chemistry, the two of them, and that allows him to have a personality where he's bouncing off of her, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, and the reason it's funny, it's it's a paradox in a way because I want to say, unfortunately, when he gets dramatic, I'm not into. Him. However, it, you can't not be dramatic with the story. It's it's a it's a paradox, really, because I want him to be more funny. Or more effortlessly charming. But it's also just when he's sharing scenes with Tony Leung. He's... And this is true for everyone in the movie. He is totally outclassed in the scene by acting ability by Tony Leung. Tony Leung is by far the best actor in this movie. Like, speaking solely on presence, on performance level, on just... He he is an icon. And even if, like... I feel like even you, who... And me, because I've only seen one of his older movies... Even for you can tell he's an icon, like just how he holds himself, yeah. how he acts. You can tell you're in the presence of very bluntly, like you are in the presence of greatness. That's why I think it's fun. I I actually watched a um a uh like a video, like an ad. I, I, it's not a trailer. It's like Aquafina driving around the set mm-hmm. of it of the and she's like yeah. meeting up with the actors who play the sister and the razor fist and then of course she talks to Simi Leo a bit and then she gets Tony Leung in his in their car and he's she's like so are you having fun on the set and he's like yeah it's a great time now can you let me off and it's just like Tony Leung that's all I need <laughs> that's all you really need <laughs> but but besides but Shang-Chi as Shang-Chi a character to get back to him because we'll talk about Wu in a little bit um He's like, he is a cool character. I love his design, like the costume design. I like the ending. He does a good job holding the end of the movie together. Uh, again, we'll get into the third act in a bit. I just wish, I and I hope in the sequel, he's allowed to have more fun. And I think in the post-credits scene, he is back to being fun. Like when he's talking to Wong in them all. I think he and Katie are both being very fun there. My fear is that eventually when Shang-Chi teams up with these other Avengers uh I don't know like I hope he gets to be funny, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think he will be. I think most people's reaction to him joining the Avengers will be this guy just does like martial arts. Like he's not a superhero and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, like he'll be cocky." Like that's was my favorite moments of him as a character was in the bus scene where you could tell he was cocky. You know, like he's like, "Oh, I got this." Um but what about you? What do you think of Shang-Chi as a character? Um I thought that he was he was
1: very dynamic in that the character is very dynamic and uh, I, I don't have much to say on Simu Eliu, um necessarily because this is the fir- his first work, you know, that I've seen. Um, oh, but, yeah. Same uh, to be but same. I same. I thought that I somewhere. thought that he per- he portrayed Shang-Chi. Um, that he portrayed Shang Chi well, and I thought that Shang Chi was a dynamic um, hero in that it's not like the character changes throughout. We see this character go go through a go through a journey um, in this film, in that it's and it's it's not necessarily like how Iron Man learns a lesson, um, you know, in in the first Iron Man or how thor learns his lesson in in his movie um it is it's more about him dealing with the past rather than running away from it and he's got to have that courage to stand his ground and face and he you know he knows he's like i've got a i in order for me to the like for the betterment of the world i have to make the sacrifice of killing my own father um and he makes you know he said he says that and we get we get that throughout um throughout the film um and i will will say that like like you had mentioned earlier aquafina does overshadow the his his dynamics through through the through the film well, that I love. Know, I love the scenes of Aquafina. Yeah, like, no, I, I love. Are, I love is, the yeah. films or the scenes with her, but her being there, we're expecting. Oh, this is a fun moment, just because when she talks, it's it's something peppy, something fun, something lighthearted, comedic. You know.
0: Well, my 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 counterpoint to it's. Yeah, I agree for the most part, but I think one of the the scene you just mentioned, where she's he's like, "I'm going to kill her," my dad. He's talking to Aquafina in it. And Aquafina is actually, a, as much as, as she's a very accomplished, she has a Golden Globe in. Uh, okay. She won it for a movie that was submitted in comedy. But if you see The Farewell, it is not a comedy. It's a movie about a woman whose grandma is dying, and she's not allowed to tell her grandma that she's uh, dying. Like, it is a heavy, heavy movie. Oh, and she was in comedy because she's Aquafina. It's a, it's a dramatic performance, but she has awards. My point is, she has awards for dramatic acting. She is a good actor. In dr- the thing is, is that to be very blunt, Hollywood has not really been great for Asian American actors for quite some time, and it's only really changing now. So the opportunities that she has had are great, but they're still not as much as she should to be able to like being a good dramatic actor yeah the farewell is the only real uh, opportunity she's had so far and I think that I honestly do think Aquafina will eventually honestly in the next five or six years uh be nominated for an Oscar I'd be very surprised if she isn't she's a very talented actress uh and I think she I think she brings the best out of Simu Liu in this whereas Tony Leung love him does more that that's who I'd say overwhelms uh seemingly you here is because if Tony Leung's in the scene, I'm more paying attention to him than I think Aquafina shares the scene more, but that's that's just me, that's yeah, just me, yeah, uh, yeah, um, but yeah, uh, but speaking of Tony Leung, <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, when move, should I start or do you want to
1: start? <laughs> um, I can, I can. I could start. Okay. Uh, Win yeah, Wu, yeah. I thought that Win Woo was a definitely in my top villains list. Um, I don't know if I don't know if he's in my top three. Cause I know I had said my top three were like uh Zemo. He's in my top four. Zemo Thanos, so, Killmonger.
0: Do you count Loki in there or no? He's, he's not gotta
1: be, anymore. he's gotta be. I don't think I had Loki as as he's in a, a 10. Anymore? No, I count him as I. Oh, okay. He's a villain. Well, no, in, some people
0: don't anymore. That's why. Oh,
1: okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, well, after that, what if episode with Josh Thanos, I don't count Thanos as a bad guy anymore. So
0: hey, <laughs> I, I, it's completely I, random. I'm it's gonna have completely to remove random. At some point. <laughs> I'm going to have to remove Killmonger at some point. <laughs> Um, so so yeah, so anyways,
1: uh, no win Wu was a a believable um of a believable villain and the the fact that he I mean, yeah, he gets this great form of power that gives him pretty much using the rings he can get anything that he wants um aside from love, for, yeah I was like aside from love um you know it's the the rings can't necessarily you know give him that um and so so uh yeah, he can like he's he's like I can get all the cities in the world, I can get all the money, i can you know whatever I want boom got it he's got he's a man who he's got the world at his fingertips and doesn't necessarily have the means of or you know what he's used to get to the position that he's at he doesn't have the means of getting that final thing that he wants which is that well that you know love that relationship between him and and another and uh and then that's what he does give that's the one thing that he gives the rings up for is is that relationship and i and then of course when um, when his uh, wife is killed, then that's when the rings come back on, and it's it's like he's that's like, yeah, it was my fault that I took the rings off, and I wasn't able to protect. You know, he, he wasn't able to protect.
0: A, no, he's a beautifully tragic villain. Yes, in the sense I don't yes. think we've ever had in these really movies before. Everything he's doing is motivated by what he views to be love, and I think that's his final scene is really like, I don't, it, it, it's weird talking about it actually gets me more emotional than actually seeing in the movie. Yeah. But like he shares a look with Shung, like at the end, he's like, I don't remember exactly what Shung Chi's line is, but it's like, um, all we wanted was our dad and all you cared about were these dumb rings. And he doesn't look angry or he looks horrified at himself about it. Like that's what Tony Leung's, Leung's face says is like, you're right and that's horrible But I still want my wife back You know he is a yeah. He wants he wants to be a good dad But he just doesn't Know how to express it Um, And of course He's consumed by it's just a really I, I There's weirdly one of the shots in this movie I constantly think about is the shot Of them all dancing at DDR But I think about that Because it's such a stark contrast To Wenwu's character in the rest of the film mm. You know yeah. Um, I also think it's a fanboy bit about Tony Leung, if I haven't done it enough already, and I'm sure I'll do it more on this episode. Uh, there is something I wrote in my review, which is all it's not a new sentiment. This is a sentiment people have had about Tony Leung since he's playing gun acting. But he can do more acting with his eyes than most actors can do in their entire body. All you need to do is look at his eyes in a scene, and you know exactly what he's thinking, what emotion he's feeling, and that's also what I mean by he, when I say he is elevating like what is written on the page, because he um, he knows ugh, silence from Tony Leung speaks lo- louder than words to me. Yeah, because he is such an expressive actor. Um, I just also think when Wu is he's a good like he's a very good. I also think in a way this is Wen Wu's movie more than shang Chis because in the flashbacks it's always Tony Leung. It's, uh, well, I, okay, let me rephrase that. It's more Tony Leung's movie than seemingly Le- Liu's, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it's always Tony Leung in the flashbacks. And there are a lot of flashbacks in this movie. Um, Not a bad thing. And actually, I'll say right now, my second place choice for best scene, which we'll get into my first film later, obviously, uh, would be the scene where he goes to, puts the Ten Rings back on and takes Shang-Chi with him to that bar. And there's that harrowing one shot of like the camera rotating and him just basically killing everyone in the bar while shang chi watches Mm -hmm. and you can tell he's just like letting loose after and really it's just he's it's in grief it's not really he's angry but it's more like he just does not know how to accept his uh, wife's death and so he immediately returns to old horrible habits yeah and he doesn't even want to acknowledge the shang chi he's like yeah what are you looking at kind of you know yeah let's go type of thing yeah oh, it's definitely great, it's great it's great <laughs> i love tony leung uh and i also think uh the reason his character dies is because there's no way marvel will be able to get him back for another movie yeah, <laughs> it feels very much uh yeah i want to try this movie but you better not expect me to come back yeah <laughs> 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 but anyway um but yeah please don't do a when we what if episode because as we've said i've said before the eyes on that show are nothing and tony leung's eyes are incredible let's be real uh so Uh, next we're gonna talk about katie yeah right
1: yeah um katie's katie's character is she's full of she's she's full of energy she's yeah she's like you can tell aquafine is having fun with the role and that it's a character that translate, that's
0: written for Aquafina, yes, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, and that translates to the character so well. And she's like her and Shang-Chi are going on this adventure, and even though it's an adventure that they're forced into, um and Shang-Chi is being forced to face his past, um Shang-Chi's very very hesitant hesitant about it and katie's just very very she's all for she's like yeah let's go let's let's go do this we can we can do this right we can we can yeah and uh she's yeah. she's very much the i don't want to say the cheerleader because i feel like that puts her her in a box but she's very Ow. much she's very much the the um She's very much the opposite that Shang-Chi needs. You you know, Shang-Chi is like he's he's lacking the kind of the the pep to the pep in his step to keep going forward with this stuff. He's the one having to make the. um, uh, The decisions with all the gravity to them, and Katie's kind of like, hey, I support you, you know, and yeah.
0: I think um, I think Katie is a very important character um, in the sense that she is an audience surrogate. She is the person who reacts to all these things the way most Americans would, and also, um, well, you know what I mean. That's not because, uh, well, yeah, 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 Like most, like average Americans would, if they got put in a situation where their friend is suddenly like the son of a terrorist, you know, and now has to do a bunch of martial arts fighting, it, she reacts totally the way most people would. I also think my big tick. Well, from her and in this movie, and she
1: also she even says that she's she's American, you know. Too no, yeah, yeah, definitely, Like, definitely. like and uh, I think that yeah, that she was a is big...
0: not a she's not first generation uh, American like Shang Chi would be if he is naturalized. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she her grandma came in from China, and like you know they've lived there a while. Um, but anyway, the other thing I want to say about Aquafine in this movie is this is definitely the best female lead of these movies. Like I mean like when it's like a male and a female lead easily the best since uh Haley Atwell. Easily. Uh mm. even though I don't view their ro- relationship as romantic. As romantic, yeah. A very brother sister platonic uh, yeah. type of thing. Yeah, and I like but, I like
1: that too that they didn't force a romance on us with yeah. with those two. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And it's just like honestly, one of my thoughts during it was like, man, if Rachel McAdams' character in the first Doctor Strange was written like this, I think I wouldn't be as mad at that movie for completely wasting her because they wouldn't be wasting her. Um, That was really – it was like they have Aquafina here and they're not wasting her. And that got me like excited because I'm so used to the love interest being wasted in these movies. Yeah. Like Natalie Portman in the first Thor movie, like great actress, doesn't really do anything in that movie of note. Um, and here Aquafina's in here. She gets tons of jokes, and I also think it's very important to repeat. Like, this is a role that was written for her. Thus, her comedic style is in. It's baked into the script of the movie. It's not like random comic relief on the side. It yeah. is fully in the DNA of this film. Well aware that we have Aquafina, we're gonna let her do Aquafina thing, and that will give us honest performances from both her and Simu Liu. Uh, and really, honestly, I would say, well, I don't know. It's kind of the heart of the film in a way. Actually, the way I would describe it is this movie, the heart of the film is the relationship between Shang-Chi and Wenwu. But it feels like the heart of the franchise is going to be the relationship between Shang-Chi and Katie. Yeah. If that makes yeah.
1: sense. Yeah, well yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then so. our last character, uh, Zha Ling, which is uh, Shang-Chi's sister. Um.
0: She's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's okay. Yeah. I think
1: <laughs> it's very, very obvious. I mean, from what we see in the post credit scene, setting her up for, for future films. Um,
0: yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I don't know, like she's cool. Um, If anything, to me, she kind of fits that the Marvel mold more than any of these characters we mm. talked about. Because she very much is the, like, I feel like all these movies have, like, a rogue side character in a way now. Not all of them, but, like, she's, like, she's, like, uh, she's, like, Mordo in the first Doctor Strange movie, right? That is what her role is functionally in this. She basically exists to, like, say, like, Shung, you're being stupid, and then at the end they have a nice friendly moment. But then we know eventually, like, that's not going to stay. That is her role. She, she has some cool action beats, but so does everyone in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I liked, I liked her friend. <laughs> I liked her friend who isn't in the movie much. John John, uh, yeah, John John. He was yeah. fun. and he, that's what he, an actor I like to He was in the
1: he was at the very end of the film in the uh, post credits. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll talk about the post credits later. I've um, I will to say there. that
1: Zha Ling, um that she is very much like how Katie is. Katie is very. Katie, I don't know.
0: Katie's she, very aquafina. We can just Katie, say Yeah, that. I was Jeez. like, Jeez. Katie's very
1: disaquafina, <laughs> and then Jaling is like, <laughs> "This is how. Like, if you want to be a uh, woman role model, this is how you act." This is how you feel, kick butt. This is how, you
0: uh, know, I have a more harsh way of saying but. it. But I feel like Aquafina is the modern day hero. I feel like Xiling is the uh how would I say, how can I say this about She's the Trinity. There is a there's a she's the 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 badass woman who should be the lead character of her own movie, but instead she's in this movie like talking down a man. You know what I mean? Like she is this the prototypical um, cool girl yeah does that make sense like that is a trope in action cinema up until I'd say about 2015 when like Furiosa kind of changed it in Mad Max Fury Road yeah because uh, Mad Max Fury Road is a Furiosa movie at that point once we hit that if the woman character was cool enough to be the main character of the movie she was you know what I mean like that is the turning point uh I mean I'm sure there's other people are gonna be like what about oh the bride and kill bill or stuff like that and there are exceptions i'm just saying mad Max three road is like the turning point for mainstream movies uh and that's why i got i got very much a trinity vibe from her like from the matrix to be clear mm, okay yeah didn't get what i meant by trinity <laughs> like she's well trinity for from some
1: reason i was i was stuck on i was like blade trinity i was like what, oh no i'm sorry what are you no, no. talking about trinity yeah.
0: like trinity from the matrix because she, by all accounts, in the Matrix itself, you know, i only seen the first movie, but in the Matrix itself, let's talk about the Matrix 4 trailer. No, uh, <laughs> in the Matrix itself, um, Trinity is already trained and should be the one, right? Um, and then Neo comes in and is like, he is the one. And also this whole thing about Trinity Syndrome, I remember this became a big talking point when the Lego movie came out. I forget if you've seen the Lego movie. Yeah. But it yeah yeah you know like basically is a remake of the matrix but for kids um and it kind of plays on that role where you know the trinity character is like why am i not the special one why is that to be this lame chris pratt guy and it uh you know what i mean like yeah you, you get what i'm saying though. that is basically what her role is. she uh Shailene is designed to be the cool girl to me and that's kind of like it's okay I I've, like I've never cool realized
1: i have never realized that that the Lego Movie what? is just it's basically the Matrix, the Matrix for kids. It's basically the Matrix. No wonder. <laughs> the no end, wonder. He, I f- I like no. I I like the second one I love the so Lego much movie. better. I love the second one
0: so much better.
1: Um, of the Lego I, Movie. I like the
0: first one more, but I think the second one is actually more emotional. I actually didn't know you'd seen the second. One. I, I yeah. I'm glad you like the second. I know a lot of people who don't like the second one. I I, second I like the really second
1: good. one so much better, and the first one has just always. Honestly, the first one has just always felt like I've seen this before, and because I have, yeah, I'm surprised.
0: The the thing that the 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 key to that reading of it is actually not what I just said about Trinity. Stop it! There's like a motorcycle rubbing outside my house. Anyway, uh, it's actually not the Trinity thing. It is uh, how at the end of the movie, you know, and it like comes back to the world of Legos, and he's like, I can see it all, and he like just starts seeing like the specific names of the Legos pieces. And it's exactly like how when Neo comes back in the matrix, he just sees them all in that green matrix code. Yeah. in the, like, code. it is the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's exactly, yeah. The le- I, the cop, it's
1: the cop chasing them around and, yeah. and okay. Anyways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> let's move on to our next subject here, which is the dweller in darkness, AKA old gods of the earth question mark.
0: So, Michelle Yeoh gives this monologue uh, that is just the scene from Guardians Two. Uh, <laughs> he goes looking at uh, statues. Okay, go on. That's the one one point I wanted to say until we get into that. <laughs> oh, she
1: does. Yeah, yeah. So it, well, it
0: was like aesthetically, it looked the exact it same did. as the Guardians Two stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> but uh, go on. Sorry. So so yeah,
1: I say old gods of the earth question mark because. Old Gods of the Earth is, I believe, that's, I'm saying that right, because there was very distinct, like, there's the Cthulhu Ancient Ones, or, yeah, Ancient Ones, and then there's the Old old Gods, and then there was Old Gods of the Earth, which is the Marvel comic canon. Um, so the Old Gods of the Earth are like a combination of Egyptian myth, it's, multiple mythos um pull uh pulled together and one of those creatures is Chith- no it's uh C- cathoth C- yeah i think um
0: marvel does not want to be sued by the estate of H.P. lovecraft right Come on. right so <laughs> it's and it's basically
1: it's a creature based off of cthulhu um which is cathoth and I think I'm saying that right. Um So okay, and this, that, be,
0: this is the mispronunciation episode, so. right? So this <laughs> I'm mispronouncing everyone This probably. is
1: this is the uh this is what the dweller in darkness reminded me of and it makes me wonder is this a multiverse thing here or not necessarily oh, I, uh- multiverse but
0: um I 100% think Talo takes place in a different dimension. Yeah. That that was the vibe I got, like of how they entered it. It Mm -hmm. felt very much like we're jumping into a different dimension type of thing. And of course, you know, with the upcoming release of Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we're entering a new era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're going to be talking about multiverses and stuff. Ergo, I can assume that we will return to Talo in a Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> or at least that was the vibe I got. You gotcha. know what I mean? Gotcha. Like, that was the vibe yeah. by God. Like, yeah. I got. Yeah. I think Especially that, the design of the, the Dweller of Darkness and it's like minions. Yeah. 100% like yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah, I
1: definitely, I definitely uh, feel that the after seeing this and What If Episode 1 and What If Episode 4 which i know I you've, not, you've not seen it yet um but there are things that make me think that we the old gods of the earth are gonna play a lot more into um into a, at least marvel phase four than well than what uh th- than what we've got so far
0: i have to I have to imagine if that is true, we will find out nowhere in November. Because if they are going to go in that route, the Eternals are the way. Not th- like you know what I mean. Yes, like, the, yes. We that, that's the thing to me about Eternals. Like I have no idea what those post credits scenes are going to be there. You know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah and and
1: I did. Uh, I did wonder. I was like, if if the old if old gods of the earth is going to be a a thing, um, in Phase Four, at least Phase Four, then. The, that could be what they were talking about um, being the emergence. It could be the emergence of the old gods coming back, or of course, it could also be the emergence, or it could be the emergence of uh, the deviants again, or maybe the deviants the word- are Kang! the old gods. Or, yes, could I know. It could also be <laughs> king But. <laughs> But uh but yeah, so what did you think about the dweller dweller in darkness? We've well, not we've not had like a big monster like that in a little God, while. Do
0: you, do you want me to talk about an hour until we get to the third act? Because I, I and you could you can, you can talk about a, it now. Okay, so um I think to well I'll talk about the specific attributes of the third act when we talk get to the third act point. I'll talk now about this, which is um I think once Tony Leung dies, uh, Wu dies, when he dies, um, the third act goes on for another 10 minutes. And to me, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> the uh, The important part to me was more <laughs> Shung chi and his father's relationship. We have 10 more minutes of dragons fighting each other. And I'm just kind of like, all right, let's wrap this up. I think the design is cool. I can't forgive the Dwell in the Darkness for killing Wenwu. Wu. <laughs> So the, uh, it's it's just always the thing to me. It's like I, I can't think of another movie, but there are definitely other movies where it's like you know they have a cool human bad guy and then the kaiju shows up and it smashes the human bad guy. and It's like okay, well now I don't care, you know. Mm. Like I feel like Godzilla versus Kong might have had that issue for me. Um, but I'm I think not, there are like I'm honestly yeah, even old god old, even old Godzilla movies right. There's always like a human villain and then whoever whatever the monster Godzilla has to fight shows up usually kills the human villain. And then it's like, OK, well, now I don't care because it was like the human villain was what I was interested in. Um, I don't know. Like, he was fine. I thought the, the I thought the character design for him and his minions was cool. And I liked the effect on more the minions on how, like, you know, when they would try to swipe them without the dragon scales. Yeah. And it just like go straight. I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I did, too.
0: But. I don't know like it was it was fine it was whatever that that was I I I do think I want to say this I think it was an execution that I didn't like it I think in theory uh and I'll get into this when we talk about action I think every action set piece in this movie is calling to a certain Asian piece of Asian cinema action cinema because the heritage of Asian action cinema is so rich and I think this is a this is the one that acknowledges today like do you remember that movie I saw a writer's odyssey that we talked about in the green room that was insane yeah,
1: like,
0: that fight was straight out of a writer's odyssey to me. Like I was like, yeah, this this makes sense to me. Like this is a like it's over the top, but it's a kaiju battle that would fit straight in with some Chinese blockbusters I've seen. So like of today. So I didn't mind it in theory. I just thought the execution was a bit like, OK, I don't care anymore. I, yeah. thought I it was it was cool. I, I, if it showed up in a Doctor Strange movie, I'd probably be more excited because I'm used to Doctor Strange like fighting monsters. More yeah. Than, Shang-Chi, yeah, who is th- supposed to be a th- hand-to-hand combat guy, you know? I d-
1: I think but. that uh, Dweller in Darkness is going to be a villain that, not necessarily that villain will show up again, um, down the road. But I think that it, Old Gods of the Earth, if they do show up, if they end up playing into Phase Four um that it is going we're gonna look back and it's going to kind of brighten how we see you know this this setup yeah. into into that um uh,
0: well i well it might brighten the setup a little bit but i do think i'll still be like all right whenever i watch I'll be like all right tony lung's dead let's Leung's dead let's wrap this up you know like I yeah to like that this is my attitude um but shall we talk about the action yeah yeah so, in my mind, this movie has four big action scenes. The first one is in the opening introduction, where we get that awesome... I am going to say this right. Wuxia-style uh, fight. Wuxia is like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or like... The way I would describe it is like lyrical kung fu. It's, it's kind of it's a, a dance. A f- it's
1: a form of Tai Chi,
0: is it? is it not it might be i i'm being very honest with you i do not know i just know that wuxia is the title of like that's the genre that crouching tiger hidden dragon falls in and a lot of other movies like that where you know they're fighting but they're flying on wires they're gracefully like hitting each other and rebounding and that is what the, that fight is in the style of the one between tony leung and the person he eventually marries yeah uh and I thought it was a beautiful fight. I thought the color in it was phenomenal. Uh, and then, like, it was just well choreographed. And it, <laughs> the weirdest thing of all is, like, it felt romantic to me. Like, it did feel very intimate. And I can't think of, a, well, I can't think of a fight scene in a Marvel movie that... W- I, I wasn't expecting a fight like that in this. Um it's a beautiful homage to me to that type of movie, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, I feel like when people think of Kung Fu or martial art movies, these days, they think about like, you know, the crazy wires and stuff like that, you know, and this gave it to you in a way that made sense for Marvel. Like, it wasn't just like we're referencing these old style movies. It makes sense for where this fight is taking place and what the powers are. And it also is building our story. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. Did
0: you like that fight?
1: Yeah. Or, like, yeah.
0: And I think it's also a great way to open your movie, you know? Yeah. Like, just and like, I, whoa. Okay. I liked, <laughs> I like the
1: contrast between, um, uh, between when Wu's very aggressive style of fighting, which is what Shang-Chi's original style is. And then, um, that's another transformation that I really appreciate in the, in the third act. Um, is when he say, switches uh, he, when he switches to the more graceful and fluid style.
0: I think, um,
1: which is what I think, uh, the I, wife, I wanted to mention uh, this. I, fer- Ying, I forgot. To mention Ying Lee uses. Yeah,
0: yeah. I forgot mentioned this earlier, but I do think also. You know how I always talk about like there are only two Marvel movies with themes: Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. I actually do think this film has strong themes in it, uh, in confronting legacy and how you are you have to, you can't just run away from your past you are the child of both your parents and you should you know you know yeah you know Well, and even and even
1: even talking about not running away from your past we even get that with Trevor Slattery you know exactly yeah exactly yeah it's been Slatter. it's been technically 11 years MCU wise cuz this yeah
0: we Since, cannot talk about the timeline in this movie. It makes no sense. It's twenty twenty four.
1: Yeah, because it is is younger than
0: both of us. How is that possible?
1: It's either happening <laughs> concurrently with Far From Home, or just before Far From Home, or it's concurrent no with No Way Home.
0: One I hope of the it's two. No Way Home. I think the I, the I think it'd be great if like Wong. I, I just don't I, I just think it's very funny to imagine like Wong noping out of that whole thing at the Spider-Man trailer meeting like, all right, I'm going to go fight Abomination in a ring. Right. <laughs> um,
1: I've got a but new no, friend. It's a, uh,
0: so then we got uh, the bus scene, which ah, oh, it's so it's, good. It's brilliant yes, and it's that one's a homage to jackie chan movies definitely like and how the fight escalates and how the environment is impacted there are so many moments in that fight where i'm just like i I was just smiling so wide i was like this is so cool it's so well constructed like like there's just so many moments i could like i don't know if i ever told you there was a gif of shang chi from this scene that i saw that was like oh yeah now i'm really excited for this and it was the moment in the fight where uh the bad guy tries to rip off his uh jacket and he attacks him with the jacket puts the jacket back on and he immediately goes to punch a guy right behind him and it's all one shot and it's just like oh it's so good and then uh, the signal like like i have a signal what's the signal and i had no idea what the signal was yeah. going to be and it was the, it was it was like of, of course it is but it's not like a like ah of course it is it's like a yes perfect that is the perfect answer for this yeah and I honestly, like, probably best Marvel fight scene, like, action scene ever. Yeah. MCU, at least. Yeah. Like, probably best ever, right there. And the movie could never top it after that. Uh, and there was one other moment, and I wanted to mention uh, that I loved. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, no. Okay. So I'll let you talk. I promise. Uh, but uh, so he's like, right after he's like, I'll give you a signal. The camera shifts into outside the bus. And it's, like, um, a profile shot of Simu Liu Liu, walking through the thing, just beating people up and, like, throwing them out. And it stays profile. And that, to me, was a reference to uh, Korean cinema and Bong Joon-ho's work particularly. But it's not just Bong Joon-ho. I shouldn't say that because also Old Boy, who is by someone else whose name I'm blanking on right now. And people are going to yell at me for blanking on his name because Old Boy is considered, like, one of the great Korean films. And I haven't seen it. Uh. But if you ever watch a Korean action movie, it's a very signature style of the 2000s and 2010s to do that par- that um, shot. Or if you've seen um, actually, you might have seen that. Have you seen Snowpiercer? It's a Chris Evans movie. Yeah. Yeah. It has that – because it's by Bong Joon-ho. It's, by, it's directed by Bong Joon-ho. And okay. It has that same style of fighting where – you remember that, right? Like it's a profile shot of Chris Evans fighting through the train. Yeah. And like he's just he, – yeah, that's a style – that's a, something from Korean cinema. And it happens in this movie and it's great when it happens. This is like, oh my like I immediately when it happened, I was like, yes, this is, this fight scene was already amazing and now it's next level. Because it's not only referencing Jackie Chan stuff, it's referencing Korean action cinema. Ah Anyway, anything else you want to say about this thing? Because it was so good. Yeah, it was it was just <laughs> it
1: was just so good. And I like watching that scene, I was I was like, Yeah, I already want to see this a second time. Like I'm, yeah. I'm already in, in for this movie just for this second time around. Um,
0: yeah, it's so well constructed. Yeah, it is. Oh, and like, and i and i like the, the, you could break down that fight, and it's just, it's one of those things that's so complicated that it's just like it's impressive. And this is where we should probably uh, mention Brad Allen. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I'm adding something to our, uh, to talk about list before we end right now. Uh, but then we can talk about Brad Allen. We, we gotta talk about some memorials. Uh, cause unfortunately, uh, Brad, Brad, Brad well, you will get to that when we get to that. Um, but Brad Allen, um, passed away a few weeks ago and he's the second unit director on this, along with the stunt coordinator. Uh, Brad Allen had done the stunts for both the Kingsman movies and the new one. So actually the Kingsman will be his last work. Um. And he'd done the stunt work for, um, well, he worked with Jackie Chan directly, uh, like in the nineties. And then he did the stunt work for Scott Pilgrim. He did the stunt work for, uh, I'm trying to think, there's another big one in there that I can't remember right now, but a lot of American movies where people have been like, the action is great and British. The world's end is British. I have because of his work. Um, And it really pays off when you see the stunt work in this movie. Um, and not only stunt work, but how it's both this scene and the scaffolding fight, the environments are built in heavily into the action mm-hmm. and how that environment works is just, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's really just, that's the only, thing. it's like, it's brilliant action cinema. It's such a loss that he's gone in a way. I'm just like, I, well, obviously I want to Chi Chi sequel. I'm going to get one. But I I don't know how they'll do it without him, honestly, that type of thing. Like, you know, yeah. it's just so yeah. impressive. Um but yeah. Um and then the next fight is I have it listed as the scaffold. We're we're gonna skip the tournament fight because in my opinion it's whatever, and I think you agree with me there. Yeah. Um
1: Yeah. I But there's
0: the Oh, sorry, go on.
1: I'll i t- I'll talk about it later because it's actually one of my oh, okay. one of my points. Good point. Um
0: so Yeah the scaffolding fight. And then it leads into a quick duel with the deaf dealer, which is um, to the listeners who probably don't remember his name. Cause I don't think it's ever said in the movie. It is the, um, so when Wu has like two head assassins, one of them is razor fist who is in the bus fight and has uh, a sword for an arm. And then there's a the deaf dealer who kind of crawls around like Spider-Man at points. And he has a really cool mask.
1: Oh, um, that's, yeah yeah and yeah later on in the third act uh he has his soul take taken out yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yep. yeah yeah i know who you're talking about yeah
0: yeah the scaffolding fight it's really cool and it's interestingly i think both scenes we didn't mention the bus scene i think both scenes use katie well mm. in a way that doesn't just make her a damsel in distress yeah like she gets to still be funny in these scenes but she still is being proactive as well um and there's some really cool stuff with the mirrors in this scene too. The, the scaffolding fight, yeah, uh, it's just it's very well done. Again, I don't think it's as well done as the bus scene. You know, it's just because you know you can't tell how much there is. Sorry, what? Yeah, well, I
1: was going to say, what is one thing about this? About this, what's one major contrast between this scene and the bus scene?
0: It's at night. It's at it's night. At it
1: it's at night and yeah, it's, it's still a great scene
0: the, the 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 important thing about and i'm going to talk about this in the third act is that if a scene if a movie is color graded well if it's dark it won't matter because the thing is it is dark in the scene but it is lit up by neon signs in the background so the little flashes of color we get are good yeah also shang chi's outfit and like everything everyone's wearing in the scene is somewhat colorful. Like Aquafina has those bright green pants on, Shang-Chi's jacket, like, it's very distinct. And the Deaf Dealer's costume is also very, like, distinct. And specifically, when we get to the Deaf Dealer duel, it's all backlit by that neon advertisement. Uh, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. Um I will say the death Dealer duel in particular, there's one moment in it where they're fighting and it feels like it lasts 10 seconds and they both have knives and they're both, it's just so cool. Like, to me, that was like, ah, move over, Winter Soldier, knife flip. This scene is longer and it looks so much more complex. And it's just so cool to me. (sighs) It's such a cool scene. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild. And again, it also like feels like not as much as the scene in the bus, the career, like the side-scrolling nature of it. In a way, uh, it's just a cool. It's the action's cool. It's, it's great. Uh, but yeah. And then, you do you have anything else you want to say about those stuff? That stuff or no?
1: No, no. Uh,
0: okay. And then we get to the third act. Now, Tyler, I think I'm gonna be more negative here than you are, so I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah. Um. One thing that I really, really liked about the third act is that we got a ton of shots that were of the entire landscape of the entire battle rather than just being super zoomed in and we don't get to really see the scope of the battle. Um, we, We do get some of that, you know, we get we get that, but we do get quite a lot of shots that let us see the fight that's happening up in the air and also the, uh, fight that's happening, all the fighting that's happening down, um, on the ground. Um, I will say something. I didn't say it earlier. Uh, but I, I love that they got, uh, the, the protector, the dragon. Um, I love that they got it correct. Um, according to Chinese mythos or mythology. Um, Rather than uh, than your European dragon or
0: yeah. Yep. So my issue with the third act, beyond what I've said with Tony Leung dying, right, and uh, I feel like I had another point I made, uh, but it doesn't matter. My big issue with it is, the third act is color graded in a way that the rest of the movie is not. It is gray. It is very gray. And the reason you can tell is because the previous scenes when they're training in Talo, it is very colorful. And this is before even, like, this is, I'm talking about even before, like, when it's just Tony Leung, Young, chi I keep saying, Wenwu, Shang-Chi, and, like, they're about to, like, take the battle. It is gray. It is, like, all the colors sucked out of it. And then, you know, we get this giant dragon fight, and they're both just, like, gray. And it's so disappointing to me, because to me, some people might be like, well, the bus scene doesn't have that much color. I disagree. The bus scene, the colors on that bus pop, even if they are, like, what you would normally see on a bus. Plus, Shang-Chi is wearing that bright red jacket during it. So, you know, you could, like, you know, it's very distinct in color. To me, it's just, like, the rest of the movie is so colorful. And the third act is basically two dragons fighting each other in gray and dark blue. And then before it, we have Wenwu and Shang-Chi fighting on basically a gray rock. And there's smoke around them. And to me, it's just like the rest of this movie was so colorful. And now it's not. And I don't know why, really. Uh, And that's to me the most disappointing part of it. I think the fight between Wenwu and Shang-Chi is very good. And, but everything everything else that I've kind of said already you know my thoughts on the third act that's you know like I, there's nothing I, I I've said my piece before on this you know yeah it's mainly the color thing I wanted to mention um but yeah uh, I like the beginning of the third act also when they're all like they're more like in a battle mode yeah you know? I like yeah that. but yeah
1: I one thing about the bus scene that I forgot um blossom so the <laughs> the the uh, the character who decides that he's going to do the social media commentary of the he takes the video. That is the same character from Spider-Man Homecoming who asks Spider-Man to do a flip. When yeah, at the beginning of Homecoming. imagine if
0: you would, imagine if you would. I, I've texted you this, but imagine if you would if it was Lewis instead uh from ant man (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) imagine imagine if i
0: gotta call my friends my buddy imagine imagine
1: if (laughs) if he would have been if louise would have been the driver of the bus if he would have like (laughs)
0: no i'm I'm going he's just like i'm out (laughs) yeah (laughs) have fun katie (laughs) uh that would be great um but okay and then let's talk about Dustin Daniel Credit, because we watched Short Term 12, and I watched more movies of his. And let's talk about how he how he directed here. Yeah. Or rather, did his stamp come through on this movie? Okay. I argue inherently that Tony Leung in the movie meets his stamp <laughs> <laughs> fade on, because I don't think Tony Leung signs on without a director that is interesting to him. Yeah. But you, I want to hear your actual, like, uh, well, I'll give you my actual thoughts, too, but I want to hear yours first um, on that's of Cretton.
1: Um my my thing I noticed the most with Cretton in um short term 12 is that he he's very good at uh capturing human interaction and yes he did that. He did that really well with with this film and I think something that Marvel is hopefully learning is that when you bring these directors who know how to bring characters to life and rather than it um, and, I, and this is not bashing any directors before, you know. Um, but instead of just bringing, oh well, this per this, you know, this person did this many action movies before like uh bringing on these directors that um are do really good work with characters. Uh same thing with uh with Kate Shortland. She handles complicated characters very well and I think that she handled the complicated character of Black Widow well. I'd say that films issues are more so in script and the consequences surrounding or the consequences the coincident yeah, it's just well, I all the say, coincidences surrounding that film.
0: I would say all of Credence films, this is me bouncing off you a bit, are about family. yeah. And I know like people are always like, all these Marvel movies are about family. But more Destin Daniel Credence films are about more of the emotional backbone and the struggles of family. In particular, I'm reminded uh of The Glass Castle here and also what you saw in Short Term 12, even though the father character isn't in it, he has a big shadow over the movie, and Brie Larson's character in that movie. Mm. Uh, and I think the thing for me about Credit here is, well, one, I actually visually I don't think he has a visual style in his other movies, other than Shaky K. Yeah. But bef- I want to add to that is that I remember when this movie was announced, and this is this isn't me. This is someone else that's kind of countering you. I remember someone said to me. All my hype for this movie's gone. Because they got Destin Daniel Credin, who has never done an action movie in his life, which means these are going to be pre-vised, which is the process, you know, where they make the sto- the action in the computer before they actually film it. Yeah. These, these, it's gonna be pre-vised, bad action, uh, boring action. This is where Credin to me is his best. This is the best thing about him. And I think i lose this on his pod, the podcast we did about him is that he knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. And the first thing he does on this movie when he gets hired, one of the first things he does is go, I can't do the action. I'm going to get, I I know I can't do it well. I'm going to get Brad Allen, who is one of the best working stunt coordinators in Hollywood right now, who has never done a movie of this size. I'm going to have him help me on the action and be my second unit director. And the reason I want to attribute that to Credin because I don't know, it hasn't been, a, no one knows, like, we haven't, but the fact is, Brad Allen had never worked with Marvel before, never once in the studio, and this is a very insular studio outside of when, you know, they hire new directors for stuff. He brought on his editing group, he brought on his score group, and then he went out of his way to get the one of the best stunt coordinators, and as such, I, I think of him as someone who's like, knows, he knows both his limitations and his strengths, and his strengths are what bring actors like Tony Leung... And Michelle Yeoh to the project, you know, actors who – or Ben Kingsley, right? Like, these are all actors who wouldn't necessarily say yes unless, you know, there was an interesting director. For a fact, Tony Leung, as we've I've said, started – got an agent for Hollywood in 2005. It took him till now to be in a Hollywood movie. And I think that is credit strength here is that he knows what he's good at. He knows what he isn't good at. And he's a – like, he lets everyone – it, it doesn't feel by committee. Yeah. It feels more like everyone like is bringing their best and helping each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is the lesson of short from 12. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, looking, yeah, um, Brad, uh, yeah. Brad Allen. Brad Allen did, did pass at the age of 40, 48. Yes. He was very
0: young. Yeah. It's actually very sad. Um, uh, Edgar Wright, who directed, um, the world's end, uh, and Scott Pilgrim. He uh, he had said that he was. Um, oh, he also did Hellboy too. So I guess yeah. he has done a Marvel, not a Marvel Studios project before. But a, a superhero, yeah. Oh well, he. I knew he'd done Wonder Woman as well. Mm. Uh, but I also don't think Wonder Woman is. I love it. I don't think it's very much on hand to hand combat. You know, like that's not what that movie's about. Um, but with Brad Allen, I was going to say. There was a lot of talk about him going into directing. Like the people, you know, the John Wick movies are directed by stuntmen. Yeah, and stunt coordinators. And there was a lot. I was like, like what a what a loss there. I would have loved to see what he had to offer. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was
1: stunt coordinator on Chronicles of Riddick. Also, oh, I mean, it's, yeah. stunt performer it's on The Medallion. That's a Jackie Chan movie um
0: oh yeah no he's in a lot of stunt performer
1: action choreographer on shanghai nights uh same thing on shanghai noon um yeah he's in a
0: ton of these rush hour
1: two and rush hour three so he's done a lot of work with jackie chan
0: he actually's worked with tony leung it looks like before this movie called uh sorry i just saw it and i lost i think it's called gorgeous yeah yeah
1: he worked with phone in 99 yeah he's worked
0: with tony leung before that's interesting uh, I wanna what is the scene I saw? I, I actually saw a scene that went viral of his after he died. Um I wanna know what movie it's from. Uh but I, I can look that up quick. Um but it was like I watched a clip of it and I was like, wow, this is impressive.
1: Was it um, solo a Star Wars story? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It
0: was it was a Jackie Chan movie. Oh. Uh come on. Alright, I, I found it. Hold on, hold on. I gotta just see what movie it's from. Cause the, the The YouTube clip is called Jackie Chan versus Brat, and it's not that thought. I'm like, come on, I gotta click it. It's oh, it is the Tony Leung movie, In Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, he's in that and he gets a featured fight with uh Jackie Chan, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, that's uh Brad Allen, uh, rest in peace, and he did a really phenomenal job here, and it's it's him, and it's also the I don't I I don't want to give the credit too much credit. But I do think it's something where that is part of Crudden's impact on this film is that he chose to get him. Well, yeah, you know, yeah,
1: it well a big, big part of just being a good. Being good at just any job that you're doing is understanding your strengths and your weaknesses and being able to. You know, admit, admit to that, being like, hey. I, and you know great is, I'm, to me, I'm not good at this. Let's get somebody who I obviously who is.
0: Yeah, and obviously we don't know exactly how it worked on set. Yeah, but to me, a scene like the one I mentioned, where it's when Wu fighting the people in the the bar after his wife's death, while young Shang Chi watches, that is something that has to be, I feel like, coordinated between both credin and Brad Allen to really work together because that is ton of emotional acting on set and then also all the stunt work that's going on within that same shot mm-hmm. uh and it's just it's impressive to me yeah and to move on because i feel like I, I feel like i'm at least repeating myself a bit there um we are we always got to talk about the score yeah uh so what do you think of this marvel score um i actually think it's good to be clear I'm, I, I do I'm positive. i do too. So We'll get more into it
1: i do too um I do I do remember because I'm trying I'm trying to remember the the score. And um, anymore, I've noticed that it's getting really hard for me to remember scores because we don't necessarily have specific themes per hero. You know, like the Loki one, the that one's very, very memorable. Um, But other ones are, you know, they're kind of uh
0: no sure. you yeah, know yeah, i but, agree uh, uh i like black widow apparently her movie had a theme i did not recognize right i, I don't I didn't recognize that right at
1: all. and then um so like i i like that the I, score it used instruments that you know that
0: are from the region yes 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 thank
1: you because i was drawing a blank i know what you're saying it it used instruments from the region and it wasn't it wasn't stereotyped you know the the music fit the scene and fit the scene the mood the tone
0: um i i to me what i liked about it was two things which was one even though i okay so i wouldn't be able to hum shung chi's theme to you but I could tell he had one. That's that's the thing. Is like I I don't remember it because it was not particularly melodic. But I remember he had one. And I know when Wu had one definitely because they played the sim like it played a few times. It just it wasn't a memorable theme. And I don't think it was. I don't think it's the the composer style yeah. judging off short term yeah. in his other movies. I don't think. But that's okay. But what I also liked was the diversity within the type of music. Particularly, I think how the rest of his movies wonderfully orchestrated. But then the bus scene is like deep bass, like, and that's the score. That's not a song they're playing in that bus scene. It is like like a very like pumping bass sound to that, mm. uh, and it's it's really good. Yeah. That scene is so hype, and I think it is partially the music, and it's part of the score. It, and it sounds n- nothing like it sounds like nothing else in this movie, uh, and the that's why I, like the diversity and the track style of this. I was like, this is a good score. And it emotionally works, and it also hype works. You know, yeah. that's the two things I want out of these movies. Yes, would I like a more memorable theme? Maybe, but I also don't mind what I got because mm-hmm. even if I don't like, even if I can't remember it now, like if Shang Chi showed up in another movie and they started playing his theme, I'd probably be like, "Ah, oh, it's him." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I might not remember it now, but if they played it, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that type of thing."
1: Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, I I liked how blended. The, the score was and how it it wasn't afraid to to change to match its environment um yeah i like that i like that a lot because the, yeah a lot of movies can get stuck on you know well we're not going to have so much bass and so much more modern type sounding um yeah, music yeah, yeah, yeah. if if you know if we start the start the film out with more classical Sounding music,
0: yeah, 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 exactly, yeah.
1: Um, so now we're gonna get on to what I've what I've been the most excited to talk about. Um, has been the mid credit scene and the post credit scene. So let's start with the mid credit
0: scene. Wait, wait, wait. We got. I gotta start with the thing I texted you right after I saw it. Yeah, which was I'm gonna vague quote here is like, I think one of the most exciting things about these post credit scenes are. For once, I have no idea where this like the overall MC was going with either of these. Yeah. Because to me, this did not feel like it was referring to stuff we've seen so far. I wrote them. Um, well, obviously the second one didn't, because it wouldn't make any sense for us to allude to that. But we'll get to that. So the mid credit scene, you you start then.
1: Yeah. So the mid credit scene, um, we we see uh Shang Chi, Wong, Katie. Um Captain Marvel, Bruce a hologram Banner. of Captain uh, Marvel and a hologram of Bruce Banner. Um, and they are now, all discussing. Do what?
0: Really, no, go on, go on. I want to say something before and, we get into the full. And they issue. are all like, uh, uh, <laughs> they're
1: all discussing what the Ten Rings are made of. And they they don't know what what they're made of. They're they're like, no, it's not Wakandan. It's not Kree. It's, it's ancient. They say it's very it's ancient. very ancient. Um. So, I've got a few theories, but Danny, what?
0: Now I have to say two things before we get into the theory crafting here, which is one: good on Dustin Daniel credit for finding a way to still work with Brie Larson on this movie. Yeah, I was gonna say that, he's worked yeah. on the last three movies of her, and he got her in here by other commenters. It is amazing how Captain Marvel has more personality and natural charisma in three lines here than she has in the last two movies she's been in and that is the mark of when you work with a director you like that is, i'm just saying like that is the, is, the, is this she felt at least to me i felt like she felt so much more relaxed here to me and she felt so much more like oh okay this is like a likable hero that they want us to be like you know what i mean like yeah she didn't do much but like she just naturally like spoke she was like I don't know it just felt like a better performance to me even though she was barely in it
1: (laughs) is is that the snarky comment that you you said yes that was the snarky comment I wanted to
0: make is that like she was she was better in this book she was more likable and had that natural because I think Brie Larson does have natural charisma if you listen to her in interviews it's just weirdly not in Captain Marvel at all yeah but like I felt it here where she was like oh yeah hi guys like you know like like it wasn't like you know I'm talking more about her than she had in the movie, but like it, it felt okay. Like I, I it was good. I thought, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you're talking more about I, I, you're talking more about Brie Larson in a movie, where she, like you talking about her is more than the time that she had in that movie. Exactly.
0: But, yeah. Well, okay, but she's Dustin Daniel Credence like best. Yeah. Friend, so I got I got well, to like
1: and and like <laughs> and I, I know. We know the girl can act Um, and also she's in a she's in one episode of Community in season four, I believe. Season four, I believe. Yeah. And she's she's not even in the full episode. She's in it for like maybe 10 minutes total. And she's fantastic. She's fantastic in that in in that 10 minutes that she's she's there and then of course you know Captain Marvel um, but anyways I think, I, well I think
0: uh, I think Hollywood doesn't know how to use her yeah. I think she's way better in the indie television sphere yeah kind of yeah but go on. sorry we we, we are done, with We're done yeah <laughs> we <will>. okay so <laughs> we'll talk about her again at some point we know what <laughs>
1: it'll come up what or who are the rings signaling now going to comic book origins the 10 the 10 rings were actually 10 rings that went around the fingers and they all had separate separate powers um and they came they were found in a in a spaceship that had crashed down on earth and that's what uh the original mandarin character had found that's where he had found them and then he used the ten rings to do to do what he did um and the alien race that brought the that you know had that crashed with that ship that's the alien race the dragon type looking aliens that fin fang foom is a part of the Maclu or I—I I don't remember what it is. Um, and so Danny and I—we talked about this before before the podcast. Yeah, we today. talked off mic. Yeah, off mic. Yeah. We're pretty sure uh, that Marvel's think- not going to call this a, ca- a character Fin Fang Foom, um, for obvious yeah, uh, reasons.
0: Yeah, not. It's not. Not that it sounds stupid, but it it, it sounds very vaguely racist and i think me saying vaguely is giving it a lot of credit yeah uh uh so yeah but i I, a character named foom sure like we could we we, sure like just call him foom you know like yeah maybe yeah sure uh they worked around the mandarin for this movie so i'm sure they could figure it out yeah
1: yeah So so i think i think that we could possibly the rings could possibly be signaling um could be signaling these creatures, um, and perhaps they're a race. This alien race of dragon-looking creatures have been living long, you know, living longer than what, um, living longer than what what humans. humans, yeah, have. So, um, so yeah, could be that. It could also be a Kang variant that they say they say which i know danny's full on board with the king train um (laughs) that's the sound (laughs) that the king train (laughs) makes when you blow when you blow the horn (laughs) um so uh so i i think here the possibility is that kings from the future so people in the past would not necessarily know how to identify tech that's made in the future. So maybe a Kang variant from the future made these rings. And that's what they're signaling is. Do you want to say it, Danny? Kang. Yeah. Uh. Thank you. Uh. So yeah, maybe it's signaling. I, I, Kang. I, like, I like
0: keeping you waiting, buddy. No. Oh, like okay. Uh.
1: So yeah, maybe it, maybe it's signaling Kang. And then of course there's also I know I don't have it listed on here, but you've mentioned it quite a bit. Uh. Maybe it's signaling something with the Eternals or the Deviants. Um. Something. Something there. Yeah. Plot twist:
0: It wasn't the rings signaling them. It was Trevor.
1: What? Tre- Trevor put a GPS GPS on it so he would know so that way he can get it the was 10 Morris. rings yeah it was Morris it was Morris, it was Morris. It was Morris
0: all we along we have not mentioned once oh that is podcast. so true
1: <laughs> I want the Trevor the Trevor and
0: Morris show that's that's what I need um, what if it's revealed that Morris' entire time was just Talos in the skies ooh
1: yeah yeah i've already i've already heard people saying that it's not really doctor strange and spider-man no way home it's talos it's a scroll and i'm just like it could be i like people don't do this to me
0: (laughs) maybe that's the answer to your next point it could be a scroll
1: Mm, okay so my next point is probably say your next bruce (laughs) banner is then a sling and he's not green.
0: So, now, what's up with that? <laughs> well, man just said I, I say first disclaimer. I am a host of a Marvel podcast. These nerds that were next to me <laughs> at the movie, as soon as Bruce Banner appears on screen goes, "Why isn't he green? What happened to Professor Hulk?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'm trying to listen to the movie. Shut up." <laughs> like.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I I had to deal yeah. with uh with people being very
0: disruptive. it's Almost as if if movie theaters were closed for a year. A lot of people don't remember how they're supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, uh, not that, well, theaters should have been closed for the beginning of the pandemic, so can't be that bad. But anyway, uh, I don't know. You know, I'm sure it will be answered in She-Hulk. To me, you know, as I said, this entire scene was like, Captain Brie Larson's actually acting? What? (laughs) Like... (laughs) I was like, oh Mark Mark Ruffalo's here. He <laughs> hates SIU, so <laughs> he hates SIU. That's always what I Mark say. Ruffalo Mark hates Ruffalo like, hates oh. SIU. Uh yeah, I can't really get into it on the podcast, but he once tweeted about our school. Oh. <laughs> you can ask me about it when we're done with Yeah, that's interesting. Know. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so yeah, no. Um I think I think it makes it makes total sense that Banner would be in the sling because that's the arm that he snapped with. Also, uh, he's not green because I don't think Hulk is. Hulk wants to be in charge, and Hulk's a free spirit, and it's just like, yeah, I just want to do what I want. And Banner's very much like, have, no, we're controlled here, and I have a theory, you know, we're gonna do this. And I think that Hulk pulled out of that agreement with with Banner um uh, to be to be smart hulk third also this was one of the last scenes shot for the movie
0: that's, so that's a good point saving
1: on cgi just saying but anyways what's what's uh, your theory
0: i have i have a theory which is that she hulk now normally the origin of she hulk i believe is Bruce Banner for some reason gives a blood transfusion to a woman uh even though that's a terrible idea <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like, like, i think that is the like comic book origin of she hulk am i wait, wrong no I think it is. But we'll get it. it
1: the way that you just said that made it sound like that a man giving a woman a blood transfusion is no, a horrible it, idea I, <laughs>
0: no what's weird it's I just it's weird that the hulk is giving he's giving his known to be radioactive blood to another person yeah that's what yeah I'm saying is weird. okay wait, yeah very obviously a terrible decision uh my theory is is that he accidentally transfers hulk to her entirely And from now on, he'll just be Bruce. That's interesting. Uh, Which will let them save a lot of money on budget because the Hulk is, uh, you know, Bruce Banner. Mark Ruff will be able to show up. And if I remember right, She Hulk isn't really. Well, we haven't been confirmed yet. I don't think She Hulk will be CGI though. Uh, A lot of people have been theorizing that for a while that because She Hulk basically always stays. She's
1: always looking more like Smart Hulk. Yeah, she rarely Hulk's out. In the sense of what Banner. So whatever had. they
0: whatever they do on the TV show will be probably how she shows up in the movies. Like no extra CGI. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that could be it. I, I think whatever our question will be answered when she Hulk does come out. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I think so, too. Um. So does that mean. That Bruce Banner, if he no longer has Hulk with him. And we can't get a Hulk standalone film. We'll we get a Bruce Banner solo film. And it's just called Bruce.
0: I hurt most. And <laughs> it's it is just, it's just. This is my goofy version of hurt.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to move on to the post. Okay, so post credit scene. Like,
0: I refuse to have Goofy on the podcast. <laughs>
1: uh, so, Jaling assumes the mantle as ruler of the Ten Rings. This was a very cool twist, very nice twist. Um, that I I didn't necessarily...
0: I was expecting it to be a Julie Louis-Dreyfus. That's what I was expecting when we cut to her. I was like, oh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is going to uh, recruit her. You know, yeah. she'll join the Thunderbolts. And then it didn't happen. So I was and it didn't happen, that. and
1: then she's set in, setting up her own her own thing. Uh, I think it's cool that we've got the Ten Rings are something that I think are going to be a lot more active players in the mcu now that you know we've had a whole f- whole I, film about them so.
0: so they'll be an iron harder um what do you call it uh armor wars i've seen people already speculate i i thought
1: about what if they're in uh armor wars i've thought about that too yeah.
0: uh i do have a funny story about this post credit scene but it begins with a reveal tyler i haven't mentioned this at all on the podcast but i have actually seen this movie twice i saw it again after <laughs> after we were like we were going to record on friday yeah. i mean i already saw it twice yeah so the second time i saw it um it started 30 minutes late um which was weird because it's opening weekend you'd think you know like they would know not to do that right like it would be high priority for this movie that's making so much money to be projected right and at the right time yeah so it started 30 minutes late and there was no trailers but what was amazing was, is, like, and I, so, I sent you pictures of these, actually, is the credits. Is that the newbie? The pre-show for the movie started showing up during the credits yeah. of the movie. And what was amazing was, was during this post-credits scene, it was still playing. And it was that part, Um, I don't know if people um, are aware of this. Uh, so Nuvi has this thing where they want you to play a game on your phone while it's going on. And so when Ling sat on the throne of the Ten Rings above her head just suddenly appeared, You saved the feed! <laughs> and it was so funny. Everyone started laughing so hard at it. And then it cuts to a trailer for Dear Evan Hansen, which I now know must be in the MCU because it was in the post-credits. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so.
1: did, did want to say that you said uh, everyone says that these Marvel films are, they're all about family. Do you know what else Man. is about family? Family? The movies. Dear Evan Hansen? The no. movies. The popcorn. The popcorn. Did you have popcorn with Shang-Chi? I had popcorn. I had po- I had popcorn. Yeah. I had I had popcorn. pretty good popcorn. Um, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, yeah. So yeah, I already see two more Shang-Chi film possibilities from these credit scenes. Um one of them being one of them being uh Shang-Chi versus uh his sister. And then another being dealing with whatever the rings are calling out to. Um,
0: I feel like the rings are calling out to something that won't be in the next Shang-Chi movie. I feel like that's... That's like an Avengers... Be like Avengers level threat. But I could see it being in another thing. I also think if a Kreden comes back, I think he's going to try to find a way to work with Brie Larson again. <laughs> so yeah. Maybe Captain Marvel will be in the Shang-Chi sequel. I don't maybe. know. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, But we'll see. Um, All right. Predictions. Predictions. All
1: right. So here is a future Avengers lineup that is actually more like a listing of all current MCU heroes that we've seen thus far, which is actually not a prediction and is technically cheating. (laughs) But I'm saying them anyway. So Shang-Chi, Falcon America, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, Wasp, War Machine, Thor, Hulk slash Bruce Banner, Bucky, Wanda AWOL, Gray Vision, AWOL, Black Panther's successor, Doctor Strange, Wong, and then Honorable Mentions. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, Valkyrie, and then for Danny's sake, Talos and Katie.
0: Talos, Talos makes list, the list, but Nick Fury, show. Nick Fury doesn't make the list. Talos makes the well, list. he has no superpowers. <laughs> he has no powers. Katie, Katie has powers, he doesn't. Hey, actually, you know, you did forget. <laughs> You forgot Hawkeye. <laughs> well, I did leave Hawkeye. What a guy! Well, I left Hawkeye. Well, if you, if you, I left Hawkeye. If you're gonna forget a guy, it's it should be it Hawkeye. should be Hawkeye. <laughs> you forget but, someone. but I did.
1: I did. My mind did come across them, and I was like, "Oh, Hawkeye!" And then I was like, "Well, no, because he's retired." How oh,
0: when you cut you cut Elena, you cut Yelena from your. list. I cut Yelena because
1: technically see. we don't. Oh, she hasn't met up. Yeah, yet. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. That's kind of what it's looking like right now. Honestly, the Avengers don't have. They've got to come. They have got to form back together because there's really just uh, a loose. I, it's just heroes as working I've alluded together to
0: before. As I've alluded to before, we have a weird power gap in the Avengers. Right I
1: like now. that, though. I, I really well, like it. Well,
0: well, I like it, but I also want to acknowledge that I don't think we're supposed to. 'Cause in my mind, I think I've said this before, is that I view all this messing up with other like people this is something they all have to answer to for someone, and the person they would answer to would have been likely T'Challa. And he'd be the one to unite and I'd be like, guys, what gives? And now even that's a power vacuum too. And I don't think that was, you know, intended. Yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. It's like, I don't think that's intended. so I'm curious who will emerge as a leader of these Avengers. Probably Sam. But I curious I'm curious if like say Doctor Strange will even yield to Sam to be in charge you know what I mean stuff like that
1: yeah yeah I
0: have interesting questions
1: but yeah so yeah that's that's Uh, my prediction
0: but well my predictions are the sequel will be titled in the theming of the other San Francisco Marvel heroes Shang-Chi and Katie let there be rings (laughs) Uh, Tony Leung will be invited back for several films and he will turn down every single one of them Finally, Aquafina will kill Hawkeye. <laughs> I show. didn't read
1: that <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh how will Aquafina kill Hawkeye? <laughs> it's not going to be Yelena, arrow. it's going to be Aquafina.
0: <laughs> She's got the arrow. Um <laughs> uh, so would we rewatch this movie? Um I would, but I feel like I've seen it twice already. I'd go see it with my mom or my dad, mm. you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll wait till if they don't want to see it in theaters, so I'll wait till it's on Disney Plus at like Christmas and watch it. Gotcha. You know? I
1: definitely want to rewatch it. Um, I want to see it. Uh, probably with my brother. Um, go yeah, see it. Be cool. Yeah. All right. So now we'll move on to our Why Is Awards MVP. Um, I've got down Simu Liu as Shang Chi. Um, as I said before, he's a true dynamic hero. Um, and I was glad glad that we got an origin story with a dynamic hero that we see change uh, change through, throughout.
0: Well, my MVP, and I want to first apologize to Tony Young that never of us mentioned him, but I have to give credit to Brad Allen here because this movie had truly incredible action, the best action in the MCU, and I have to give him respect for that. I have to pick an actor. It's obviously Tony Leung. But overall MVP is Brad Allen. So, yeah.
1: Uh, favorite, favorite scene? Mine's the discovery of Trevor Slattery. This character is just so much fun, and I was smiling the whole. I had my mask on, but I was just smiling. My so cheered. big. My audience cheered when he showed. Oh me. my gosh i I was turning it. I I was looking at Felicia, and I'm like, "It's it's Trevor. Hello, my name is Trevor." Like, it's. I just ah, uh, I, lo- I love this character. Um, and what about you?
0: Bus? It's the bus scene. It has to be the bus scene. Sorry, it does. Uh, <laughs> Uh um what
1: about the worst scene?
0: So the deaf dealer has his death where his soul sucked out of his body. I get why it's there. It's cool, but it feels like a waste of a really good design where I'd liked like it would've been cool at the end of the movie with Jiling, you know, being in charge if they were both there, him and Razor Fist. Yeah. And him dying, I get why we have to have it, but it was a bummer to me. It was a really I thought he had a really cool design of a cost, costume design, mm. so
1: Yeah, and him Well, him coming back in a sequel would have been a really, you know, really cool to see. Rematch. Yeah. Uh, Worst scene for me was the underground fighting ring. It's one of the it was one of my most anticipated moments in the film, um, but it seemed to only serve the purpose of cameos for Abomination and Wong and also like a Mandarin or not a Mandarin uh, extremist character extremist soldier and a black widow character so we had cameos in there which like it's nice for world building i was i was really wanting something more um there with this fighting ring um i really hope we get to see this become something bigger in a sequel
0: in defense of the Wong cameo in particular i kind of like that it's given no explanation and the characters are just as confused by it as we are I, I I think it's funny, like you know, like 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 you can tell Shang Chi is just looking at it like what, huh? Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's just very confused. It it also seemed <laughs> I, like, like
1: Abomination and Wong were like sparring, like
0: yeah, yeah. Love, um, will Wong show up in She-Hulk? We'll see.
1: Who knows? Wong just shows up in everything. he just does whatever he wants. Uh he's the new Nick Fury. Yeah, he is. Um, or is he Nick? Wait no, I was like, is he Nick Fury? No, or is he really just Talos? It's, it's just Talos. It's, <laughs> it's just Talos. Yeah,
0: they're all Talos.
1: Uh, they're both Talos. Both Abomination and this Wong. movie was. Uh, this, er,
0: this movie should have been titled "Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Talos." Yes. uh yeah.
1: Um. Uh. Best. Best moment is that what we're on? Yeah. Best moment. Yeah. Um. Shang Chi sending the dweller in darkness into the depths of the river. Um. Could have used more color in this in this scene, Um, but I really I really liked the I'm thinking of the moment when we are looking. We are like this camera or this uh, shoulder angle from Shang-Chi when he's up in the air above above uh, the Dweller in Darkness and the Dweller in Darkness is being uh, wrapped up in the water. And it's, it's just really cool seeing this aerial view looking down of like that's what Shang-Chi would see from his view. And a lot of times um, we don't necessarily get those get those uh, that third person view or first person view looking down. You know, that's a lot. A lot of times uh, it's always we're looking at at the character up in the air. And that was that was really cool. What about yeah. you?
0: I. I- Mine is, um, it's during the scaffolding fight, uh, and Shang-Chi, Katie is, like, on a pole, and she's about, like, to fall down, and we get this uninterrupted take of Shang-Chi fighting people and, like, jumping over things, trying to run to her, and you see the pole continue to break, like, during it. It's just a really one thought shot. Yeah. Uh, and he gets there just in time, and to me, like, you know, any other time, I'd be like, ah, you got there just in time, that's like... I don't want to be like that's fake because it's always like a lame way to watch a movies, but it's like a, oh okay. But since here, you know, you got you Aquafino was always in frame, Sumi L- Leo was always in frame, so it had a tension to it that you don't usually get from that type of moment, mm-hmm. and it was just really well choreographed too. Uh that's my favorite moment of the movie.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Uh what about the most disappointing aspect? Mine was the nagging friends at dinner. I honestly got bored when they were on the screen. Um And a lot of it was just because it was it was stuff that it was narrative being repeated again by uh, Shang-Chi and Katie. Um, And I was kind of just like, okay, yeah, let's 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 keep moving on. Let's let's keep going. I will say it was it was funny uh, when they were saying like, oh, yeah, we we did this and we did this amazing stuff and we did we fought this. Big monster, and we we rode a dragon, and then they're just like, "Okay, guys, get it together." Um, it was funny, yeah. but I I was honestly just kind of like, "Okay, let's." It if if the movie lulled, it was in those moments.
0: Uh, my thing, it's disappointing. Um, so I have listed the color grading, but I've already talked about it a lot. So I'm gonna say Michelle Hughes' role in this was very disappointing. Um you hire her and she really just exists to deliver exposition and she gets a cool training scene, but even she's forgotten in the third act in the fight. Uh, just kind of, you know, whenever they bring back an actor, they've already cast an MCU role. Cause she was in guardians too. I expect them to have like a good reason for it. And Michelle, you just felt like she was here to like bring some credibility to the film, not because they had a good role for her. Like the opposite of like Tony Leon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Really? So,
1: um. So best yeah, but- best surprise um, for me, it was the dweller in darkness. Um, this makes me think what if has more bearing than I previously thought? Uh, maybe what if is introducing um, characters or concepts to us that would otherwise be super outlandish if our first introduction to them was on the live was on live film. Um, And instead, they're, you know, using the animated um, media to kind of introduce this idea and just kind of coax us into into the more outlandish stuff. I'm I'm excited, excited for it. But uh, but yeah, what about you?
0: Uh, I kind of mentioned before, but 30 percent of the dialogue in this movie is in Mandarin. I think that's super cool for a blockbuster and it feels super real in a way that i was not expecting at all I, I just thought it was cool that's basically like i don't have much to add to it everything like wow mandarin great like the language not the character yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah
1: uh most excited to see more of i kind of cheated on here because i said the 10 rings in the mcu i'm referring both to the organization and to the powerful artifact Uh, artifacts Uh, so yeah I am excited to see the ten rings be used more and learning the origins of the ten rings and what conflicts will come out of those Um, but then also seeing what uh, the ten rings the organization will do um, now that they will be a much more they seem that they will be a much more active um group in the mcu what about you
0: uh i want to see more of the mcu's newest and greatest archer katie move over clinton kate we got a new archery person in town we don't need the hawkeye show anymore we got katie (laughs) come on katie's great all right uh and those are our awards now before we sign off i'd we went to this at the beginning but we forgot about it but we want to give, we want to talk about two people who passed away recently. Uh, famous people, not in our personal lives, thankfully, but still, like, we, we want to give them some, just want to talk about them briefly, is that a uh, friend of the podcast, as we call him, Richard D. Grant. Grant, uh, his wife uh, died, uh, re- passed away recently. I'm looking, I think her name is Joan Washington. I want to make sure I get, it is Joan Washington. Uh, she was a dialect coach. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we talk about Richardy Grant a lot. We love Richard Grant here. Oh, yeah. And we want to give our thoughts off to him because that's got to be. Definitely. Yeah. Unimaginably hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Many, many thoughts, many thoughts with
1: you, friend of the podcast.
0: Yeah. Uh, The other one we want to talk about is um, Michael Kenneth Williams, who unfortunately passed away this past weekend at the age of 54, which is insanely young for an actor, such such a great actor uh we're bringing officially if we have to have an official reason to bring him up he does have a role in mcu property in the incredible hulk but that would be completely underselling his acting capability i know him mostly from love craft country um where he plays the father of jonathan major's character uh and he's just he's a great actor i don't know what you've seen him in but i know you said you knew him when I sent you the text that he had passed away. Um, But he's just a great actor and he's gone way too young at 54. Uh, So many years left in him. And really, he actually is the favorite to win the Emmy. uh, And before he passed away, like he was already the favorite to win the Emmy this year for Lovecraft Country because he's never won before. And he's, you know, he's considered to be really just a great actor. Yeah, Uh,
1: yeah. I've I've seen him in uh, the 2016 Assassin's Creed um, not that oh, that's a great film, but, um, I have,
0: <laughs> well, he's in community.
1: Yeah. I've seen him he's in that. Community. Um, I've seen him, seen him on community. Um, he will also have in, yeah, this year. Um, I think it's coming out this year. He did the voice acting for Kimball Graves Mm, on Battlefield 2042, which is a video game um, I believe is coming out probably around Christmas time because that's when Battlefield puts their new games out. Um, Yeah. And so.
0: No, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah, just he's really. Yeah, he's in. I I should really watch The Wire at some point. Everyone always says you got to watch The Wire and I haven't. The
1: Wire Uh, and I I still need to see 12 Years a Slave.
0: Yeah, he, I don't think he's that big a role in it, but he's he's good in everything. He's, you know? He plays he Robert. Awesome. That's
1: that's all that I've, yeah, I'm seeing. But.
0: I haven't seen 12 Years of Slave since theaters. Oh, gotcha. Um, he's also in Boardwalk Empire, and one of the main characters on Boardwalk Empire. And if you ever watch Lovecraft Country, uh, he's great. I need to watch The Night Of also. I'm just listing his stuff. Actually, though, an interesting thing is about him in relation also to another person on our podcast, you know, we talk about is Jonathan Majors, as I said, he played his father on Lovecraft's Country, Michael, uh, oh, Michael Kenneth Williams, but also um, in this series from before he was, uh, before Jonathan Majors was big, called, uh, I just had it, I'm sorry, I lost it, uh, When We Rise, which came out a year before um, Les, Black Man in San Francisco did, which is the movie that made You know, uh, Jonathan Majors Big, Uh, they actually play the same character. Uh, Jonathan Majors plays the young version of Michael Kenneth Kenneth Williams plays the older one. So that's an interesting connection for them, too. He wrote a... I sent it to you, but if people want to look it up, he wrote a really great um, uh, tribute to him in Variety. Jonathan Majors wrote. But, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we wanted to mention those two guys because... Well, those two people, because we... On one hand, we talk about Richie D. Grant a lot. The other one is he's just really a phenomenal actor. Yeah, he's gone too soon. And seems to be if you look up any stories about him, he seems to be a really great guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did a lot of charity work and just was a really,
1: really great person. Yeah. So, um. Unfortunately, when he was on Community, he was on uh the Gas Leak season, which is uh season three, which is not 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 the fit. Well, not a good I, season. I saw a
0: clip of him. I saw a clip of him on uh, on Twitter that made me laugh. Though from Community, I haven't watched. Oh, he's,
1: he's he's funny. He's w- funny. Whatever on happened
0: it. to Legos? He's yeah. Like, whatever happened to Legos? He he
1: plays <laughs> he plays. Okay, and this isn't spoiler a spoiler at all. But he plays um, a an English teacher. I believe it's English. Um, no, no, it's biology. Um, he plays a biology teacher that uh, just recently. Uh, Got out of prison and he spent the last however many years in prison. So that's why he he talks about he's like, what happened to Legos? (laughs) You know, uh, (laughs) with with it. But yeah, he. Yeah. So, yeah, solid, Mm -hmm. solid actor. Um, And yeah, Yeah. I think that that concludes that wraps up this week's episode.
0: Yeah, it's a long one, but we weren't here last week, so that's okay for you. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners. <laughs> not for us. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay for you,
1: Tyler. <laughs> um, yeah. Last week I was I was sick. It was it was not fun. Uh, ten out of ten do not recommend. Do recommend ten Don't out of buddy. ten listening to our prior episodes and also seeing Shang-Chi in theaters. Um And I want to, 10 out of 10, thank you for listening to this episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com.
0: You can also contact us by email at Dan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at wise with ty and one because ty is number I'm one. Number one out of no, I had my own bit this week. Ow, Stop ow. it. Proceed. Ah, because I'm number one out of ten. That's right. You get some self loathing this week. Deal with it. This is Tyler's fault because he was doing the out of ten thing. Anyway, you can follow me, Danny Vincent on Letterboxd at Blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. We'd also like to thank Zachary Wright for editing this episode.
1: Thank you, Zach.
0: Thanks, Zach.
1: Ten out of ten.
0: All right. Now, next week, we have a crazy schedule for you guys. I'm not going to tell you everything we're going to do, but next week we will catch up on what if and talk about at that point the three the last three episodes of it. So, yep. Episode four, I mean, episode we'll five,
1: and episode six. So, yep. what, what if I mean. Doctor Strange shaved, and what if
0: just like what if zombies what, what if zombies that that what is the zombies? new episode. Should just be the name of the episode and then episode yeah, six
1: is what if well trevor slattery we don't became, know what the order is it's anymore. what if trevor slattery became iron man right danny perfect yes yeah yeah that's what
0: we need yes yes it is all right. bye
1: all right bye catch you in the next one